Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have a guest again today. You know, on the Unveiling Grace podcast, we often look at difficulties when someone begins to question their faith in Mormonism and look to whether traditional Christianity might be a place to go. Well, that opens a whole can of relational worms often, um, especially if husbands and wives are not on the same page. And in this particular incident, um, we had a Mormon husband and a Christian wife. And Karen's going to talk about uh, some of some of the difficulties that that brought into their lives. Now, I know Karen because she is the wife of my pastor by the grace of God in Fort Myers, Florida. Some of you know God brought me a pastor that's former Mormon and his wife is a licensed counselor. And so she's been through some personal experiences herself in uh, dealing with Christian and Mormon issues relationally. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you with us, Karen. And since Lynn knows more of your story and connection, I'm going to let her ask the questions. And I'm probably just going to jump in from time to time okay. and let you talk. So I'm looking forward to this. Because Joel often says that Spenny gets so excited about the stories. He's right in there. Believe me. <laughs> right in there. So take us back to how you met this Mormon man and um, how all of this played out relationally in the beginning. Okay. Well, we actually met in high school. And so initially being in a relationship with someone that was a Mormon was not a big deal. I was 16 years old and didn't really any expect it to be anything long-term. We were just dating, being friends, having fun. I honestly didn't think about his religious status much at all. Um, probably because that frontal lobe in my brain, which controls judgment, wasn't fully developed at that point. So long-term consequences weren't the top thing on my mind. I can vividly remember getting ready for a date one night, and my dad came into the bathroom where I was putting on my makeup, and he said, you know this relationship can't go anywhere. He's a Mormon, and that's not going to work. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. You know. Up until that point, I hadn't really thought about it, though. Did you know anything about Mormons at the time? Would you have known that that would be a mismatch spiritually? Or I honestly, it was kind of like there's Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, and I'm not really sure what they are, but I know they're bad. That's what okay. that was yep. my job. <laughs> and, you and about probably and 70 or 80 percent of other <laughs> Christians. So yeah. yeah, that's so that was my knowledge of Mormons. You know, that's that's it. Um, so then I still started really liking him. And so this created a lot of cognitive dissonance because my values were one thing, which 
was I'm a Christian. I know I should marry another Christian because there's nothing good that's going to come out of a marriage with a non-believer. I just kind of classified him as a non-believer. So I had known what I had known forever. You shouldn't be unequally yoked. This isn't a good idea. This is not something you should pursue. Um, my actions, however, were not really showing that I was willing to do that because I continued to date him and develop feelings for him, which were hard to walk away from. My parents started noticing this is happening and they were freaking out to say the least. Um, I, can oh, remember, yeah. Yeah. I can remember my mom making me watch anti-Mormon videos, reading anti-Mormon books. She actually, during this time, read the words of wisdom, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of the Covenant. She read everything. Wow. And my guess is she understood the true religion more than Brian and his family, probably at that point. She's a strong Christian. She's taught Sunday school forever. She knows the Bible better than anyone I know. So she knew that Brian's dad had come from a strong Christian family and that he had converted to Mormonism. And that was making her more and more concerned. So she also challenged Brian a lot when he would come over about his religion. She would bring things up um, that he would kind of deny things like, so you think you can be a God and have your own planet. Brian had really never heard of any. She didn't he didn't know what she was talking yeah. about and thought that she was crazy making stuff up. Mm. Um, she even made him watch the videos. It was so mortifying. Um, but <laughs> so were these like in-home dates in here? <laughs> For our date, we're going to watch this anti-war yeah. video. Well, oh, he was my, my house all the time. So she, you know, she was loving, you know, here's, mm -hmm. do you know this stuff? Are you aware of this stuff? Right. And I honestly think Brian thought that those things she brought up were just propaganda cooked up by Christians bent on destroying the LDS church. Right. So I can remember about six months into our relationship, he actually broke up with me um, because he was having the same cognitive dissonance that I was and knew that he shouldn't be dating me either. Um, so I can remember when he broke up. This was so funny. This is what he said to me. He was like, do you remember when you asked me if Mormons wore holy underwear? And I said, no. And I was like, yeah. He said, well, they do. And I want to go on a mission and I want to marry another LDS person and have all those experiences. And I don't think you're ever going to convert. So that's not going to happen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, Interesting. <laughs> so uh, we broke up and I was just miserable. We were friends um, often and spent time together in launch groups. But after a month, he came back to my house and basically said, I don't care if I get to experience the holy underwear. I'd rather be with you. Oh, and honestly, at that at that point, I kind of felt the same way. I would rather su suffer the consequences of marrying him and just deal with it. So we got back together, and I think my mom loved Brian just as much as I did, and she probably became his first prayer warrior. Um, she had resigned herself to the fact that there was nothing she could do, so prayer was her only answer. Um, and we spent a lot of time at our house with my mom. Um, the main reason for that is because how terrible Brian's mom was to me. Um, oh, really? she, uh, wow. she definitely displayed superiority. And there was this underlying thing with Brian always making him feel like he was choosing between her and the church and me, which did not work out for her. Um, she was the, yeah. she was probably the first adult in my life that openly displayed dislike for me, you know, like a 17 year old girl. Mm. Um, 
she was unkind. She didn't acknowledge my existence. She didn't act interested. And she was always trying to manipulate Brian to get rid of me. Um, wow. Now, was this all the way through? Or is this just kind of when it finally came out? Okay, you're not going to convert. You're actually exposing their son. I mean, was there an early time? Because usually Mormon families are pretty good about doing the, oh, come on in, you know, welcome you in. Lots of love. No. Okay. No, that was not her desire. Her desire was for Brian to go on his mission to move to Utah and to find someone there. So there, I mean, she, I don't know how to, it's almost like a superiority complex, which Brian says is very common in the Mormon church. It was like, there's us and then there's them. And we are very much better than them. Well, and if um, they thought you might convert, it might be very different. But if your mom was showing anti-Mormon films, right? <laughs> um, and you and you weren't moving toward Mormonism at that point. That she was just being a protective mother, Mormon bear. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Um, but it's it was different, and I don't. She was treating me the exact opposite, though, of how my mom was treating Brian. My mom would express, like, openly express concerns to his face, not covert manipulation. Um, and she mm -hmm. loved Brian and she, she really showed Brian the love of Christ. Um, and I don't, whether or not this was true, um, you know, I just felt like she didn't like me. Um, and I often wonder if the obvious differences between how Brian's mom treated me and how my mom showed the love of Christ wasn't an initial stepping stone to noticing the difference in grace and acceptance and mercy. And so let's were you camp the there for a minute. Can we do okay. that? Can we do that? Sure. I'll come back to my question. Sure. This is huge, right? The mm -hmm. Bible says they will know us by our love. Christians mm -hmm. to be the one defining characteristic of a Christian that we offer love. And one of the things when I left Mormonism and came to Christianity, I was blown away by the authenticity, by that willingness to be honest to me face to face. And I love that. Mm -hmm. How awful it is to always yeah. be wondering what people are saying, thinking and saying behind your back. Huge right. difference between workspace faith, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the authenticity of grace-based living in biblical faith. Right. Right. And it's not that you always are, it's not that you're always just saying positive things. That authenticity includes sometimes being really straightforward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but again, it's done out of a concern for the person. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so there's this, uh, this, uh, so you know where you stand. Mm -hmm. um, you're not having to guess. And this is something that I think Lynn and I have both heard multiple times within the LDS culture that there is because image and appearance and performance is so important that you do whatever you need to do to maintain that image. And if that means being inauthentic, if that means putting on a good front, if that means saying things that you really don't believe to somebody or even being nicer than you would, than you feel like it, you do it because that's part of the performance-based culture. Right. So, yeah. So, well, the question I was gonna ask Karen was, so were you part of the reason why Brian decided to not go on his mission? Yes. Um, so okay. we actually um, went to different colleges 
And he had planned on going to his mission trip after the first year of college. So again, at that point, I thought it would just fizzle out when that happened. Um, the fall came, we both went to our separate colleges, but we continued to communicate a lot. So this was before email. So writing and talking, and he even made a long drive to see, see me. Um, I had decided by Thanksgiving that I was going to be willing to transfer to his school if he would forego a mission trip. I can remember actually telling God, which I know this is completely wrong. Um, I'm like, okay, God, if he goes on a mission trip, um, I'm going to take it as a sign that you don't want me in this relationship and I'll move on. If he stays, I'm going to trust you to make this work. You're, you got it. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> we do um, love our fleeces, don't we? Yes. Don't do that. That's, that's not recommended, but yeah, that's what I did. So um, I relayed the message to Brian that if he went on his mission trip, it was over. Uh, but if he stayed, I would transfer to his school. Ultimately, he decided to stay. So I transferred to the university that he was at um, at that time. And here's my parents' last ditch effort. Um, I had to pay for my own college activities, anything that I wanted in college. My parents, before I transferred, um, they, cause they, you know, it's, and I get it. I get Brian's parents fear. I get my parents fear. Right. Um, they made one last ditch effort to keep me from making that mistake. Um, they met me at college and said, if, if you will break up with him and stay at this school, we'll pay for four years of college. We'll pay for sorority. We will pay for anything you want to do if you break up with him. Um, wow. so they, they saw the dangers of what I was doing and, and were getting desperate. Um, but I didn't take the offer um, and I transferred. Okay. So, yeah. So Lynn, where should we go with her story from here? Well, I mean, I, obviously you're married to him still. So you, <laughs> you guys got married, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Once we moved again, it's like, as a therapist, I know how it works. You have, if you have cognitive dissonance and your values don't match your actions, you have to do something to make up with that. So for me, I had to kind of let go of my values. Um, during college, I didn't go to church. I didn't focus on my relationship with Jesus at all. I focused on achieving good grades, working to pay for school, having fun with my friends and, and being with Brian. Um, I can remember keeping a poster hanging in my room. And it was a scripture. Now, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And somehow I twisted this to mean that if I had faith, Brian would convert that it would happen. <laughs> I'm going to surrender this to God. Um, and and we didn't really talk about religion. We just refocused our attention to the future, to what we would do after college, uh, when we would get married, where we would live. The only really time I thought about a religion um, is when his mother would send a letter from home reminding him to choose the right. Um, they were very yeah. behavior oriented mm -hmm. and cared a lot about what people thought. Okay. So I'm sure Brian not going on his mission reflected poorly on them. Um, because they were kind of a, a big deal at their church. So his parents would have missionaries sent to his fraternity house frequently. Um, and like I said, in looking back at the situation, I feel a lot of empathy and compassion for them. It had right. to be devastating to see a child who you love being pulled away from the one true church. Right. Um, so I'm able to forgive them and I'm able to continue to forgive them on a daily basis, because as a mom, I know how devastated they had to have been. Now, did so, Brian have other siblings, brothers and sisters? He does. He has two younger brothers. Okay. And did they go on missions? They did. Okay. And so that Brian, definitely makes him the black sheep then. Oh, wow. yeah. 
No, Brian's mom changed how it was allowed. No one was allowed to go to college that year in between. Oh. Everybody had to stay home until it was time for a mission. Well, and now the church has fixed that, you know, by lowering the missionary age to 18 so that LDS uh, folks go right after high school and they don't have that year. So as a BYU professor, um, we were always told that we were losing at least half of the Mormon youth in that year where they were allowed to go to college before they went on their missions at age 19. And that was a great wow. concern to the church. And probably, I'm sure, the reason why they lowered the missionary age to 18. So kids would go right from your parents <laughs> under yeah, the heavy <laughs> hand of the mission president for the next Yeah, two because years. that did happen with Brian. So, yeah. So run me ahead to you decide to get married. And then what do you do with the temple marriage, civil marriage? (laughs) I can remember after college, our wedding, Brian's mom, his poor mom cried through the whole wedding, like sobbed. And it wasn't like bittersweet crying. It was sadness. Um, And after the wedding, two of my friends saw Brian have to go over and say, hey, you know, you might want to give Karen a hug and acknowledge her existence at our wedding. Um, She she was heartbroken. And I'm sure she still is to this day. Yeah. So where did you get married then? We got married in my church by my pastor. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. For LDS parents, that would be that would be the worst. I mean, that's like that's like. Uh, faithful LDS parents' worst nightmare is to have their child not marry in the faith and then pretty much close the door to the option of being married in the temple. So, wow. That's exactly what our son did. Got married in a Baptist church right after he came to faith in Christ. We were very LDS. Her parents were very LDS. Wow. Talk about tension in the air. Could have cut it with a knife. <laughs> so you guys, so you guys get married. Where do you end up living? Like, how far away are you from like his parents, your parents? Um, we're about an hour from my parents, and maybe two from his. Okay, so, so you're still close. Still close. I mean, and we were close with my family, not really with his family, um, because there was still that, you know. Even once it's a done deal, yeah, there's still. We've been married 24 years, and it's still very difficult, very difficult. Wow. Um, So you ignore, I assume you just went on and ignored faith for a long time, enjoyed your marriage, had children? Yes, yes, we had three children. We had our first one after we were married about seven years. Um, So, yeah, and that's when it hit me, like, oh, crap, what have I done? Um, (laughs) Yeah, because at that point, it's like, you know, your values, I would say, within those college 20, you know, early 20s, they're not as important. Um, And you kind of explore things and are really self-focused and learning a lot of things about yourself. And then when it's time to have a family and you realize, oh, one of my most important values is my relationship with Jesus. And I want to be in a body of believers and I have monumentally screwed up. Um, yeah. 
That so, was hard. So how was so your, you how was your Brian relationship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever say that to him? It's like, you know what, Brian? <laughs> oh, I did. Yes, yes. And so where was he with that? I mean, was he still holding on to Elvia's stuff? Had he just kind of let it slide and he was, well, at least you're Christian. At least I'm not going atheist. In your view, where kind of was he with all this? This kind of well, comfortable, somewhat comfortable settledness? Yeah, it was it was settled. So we honestly didn't talk that whole time that we were married about religion. We didn't go to church. I didn't go to church. It was just like the elephant in the room, but nobody was going to talk about it. Right. I, I kind of assumed, since we didn't talk about it, that he still believed in Mormonism, which was very difficult for me because that put me in, oh, he is with his family, who, by the way, all the way hates me. And then there's me, this Christian girl. And, you know, we just never talked about it um, because it was a painful thing to talk about. So it was like it didn't exist at all. But I can remember when we were driving down, uh, we were actually going on vacation with our three-week-old daughter. And I said to him, I was just like, I am really upset. I've messed up. I'm like, you know, I still love you. We, I mean, he's my best friend. We've been best friends since we were yeah. little, you know, it's, I love him and I still loved him. And, but I'm like that I, we made a mistake because I want to go to church. I want to be married to someone that's a Christian. I want to have, you know, similar values. I want to be on a, you know, have purpose, live missionally, do things like that together. And we aren't on the same page about this at all. You know, how are we going to raise kids. I want my kids to go to church. So that's when it got really difficult. So what was his response? Was it no way or was it, well, you know, empathy. I get it. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. That makes sense. You know, was he willing to let you take the kids to church? Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I, I can see, you know, how sometimes you look back at your life and you can see God working and you don't even know what's happening. Yes. Um, I got this bug and I, when we had our daughter and I'm, I'm like, I want to move to Florida. It was just like, I got a one track brain and I was going to move to Florida. Okay. (laughs) She was about five months old and we moved to Florida and And you were where in in, Indiana? We were Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, in Kentucky. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so we moved to, um, Fort Myers. And I told him, I'm like, we're going to start going to church. I said, we don't know anybody in this area. And we didn't know a soul. I'm like, this will be a chance for us to go to church, maybe meet some people our age and get a break for an hour a week for childcare. He's like, okay. I'm like, where do you want to go? (laughs) So I said, well, there's this big road in Fort Myers called McGregor. Let's just start with the first one and hop our way down and see, see, see if we can find a group of people that we can stand. Because honestly, you know, Christians can be difficult. And there are some Christians oh, I'm, not, yes. I'm not a fan yeah. of them. Either. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, well, let's just give it a try. So we stopped at, a, at the first church on McGregor. And we actually ended up staying there for 11 years until we planted refuge. Wow. Uh, we well, Lynn, we're down. I'm going to jump in here just because I'm noticing the time. I don't know if you guys have a clock, but I've got it. And we're down to like a minute and a half mm-hmm. um, of the podcast, two minutes. So um, obviously, we're going to need a part two to Karen's story. So what do you want to do with this, Lynn? I'm going to throw this. Where where do you want her? To, where do you want Karen to go in the last like minute or so we've got? 
Well, I suppose you can end it with that cognitive dissonance, right? And how important these these um, decisions are, you know, and how important it is that people settle these issues before they get married. Right? <laughs> and then yeah. you tell us in the next podcast how this ended for you and Brian. Yes, yes. Um, well, one, something that I say to anybody that's in sitting in my chair in counseling is make sure your actions match your values. Um, when you are finding a husband or a mate or anything, know what your values are and stick with them um, because those are the things that are lasting in your, in your whole life. Know what's important beforehand. It's harder to say that when someone's 16 and again, that frontal lobe's not fully developed, but maybe if right. you know beforehand the non-negotiables don't, you know, it's like the heart is the your heart is the wellspring of life. That Bible verse, I can remember, guard your heart, yes. the wellspring of life. Know what your values are and guard your heart. Don't put yourself in situations that are going to have the opportunity to break your heart. And I didn't do that. And that created problems. Well, and yeah, search because... these things out, right? Make mm -hmm. sure that what your parents have taught you <laughs> is working for you and is has has some um <laughs> is grounded in truth right exactly exactly yeah definitely you can't believe and that's what i tell my kids all the time you can't believe everything everyone tells you and that includes me too i'm wrong a lot of the times your job in life is not to be lazy it's to figure out what you believe and why you believe it and research it and know it so, and that yeah, well, is the perfect word to end on. <laughs> absolutely. So to everybody who's listening, thank you so much for being with us. We're glad you've been along for this ride. And as you can see, it's only the first part of it. So we want to invite you to join us next week for the second part of Karen's interview. And we look forward to having you. In the meantime, you might want to look up her husband's uh, podcast episodes. This is Brian and Karen Culbertson. See you Absolutely. next week. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.